0: I'm ready. Welcome to another episode. Alright. <clears throat> but you know, Welcome. bring energy. <laughs> okay.
1: Listen. <laughs> okay. You um,
0: snort laughed earlier. This is on you.
1: Listen. <laughs> when I start
0: well give me a okay. cue
1: that's why i ask are you ready that yeah but then, about but then but then you start. waited
0: 20 minutes before you started after that you said the are you ready are you ready welcome to another episode of dive in justice
1: you're not you're not doing the show intro this time we talked about all of this
0: oh okay you go ready go <laughs>
1: Welcome to another episode of Dive In Justice, the podcast that explores building ideal communities with our less than ideal selves. I am Delma Jackson.
0: I'm Shandine Garcia. And today we're going to talk about soft hard lines, the evolution of judging others and ourselves in social justice work. We're excited to spend this time with you today. Stay tuned. When we return, we're going to check in. Welcome back. As always, we want to start by checking in with one another. Delma, it's been a couple of weeks since you and I first, since you and I last sat down and recorded. How are things going? What's on your heart?
1: Overall, I would say all is well. Um, family's healthy, the kids are doing good. Um, can't complain on that front too much. So there's a couple things on my mind, right? And the... Biggest one, the one I think I'll focus on uh, for now is around I had an interesting interaction at my job um, a little while ago and took some time to process. Um, but, yeah, I had a <laughs> one of my colleagues, white dude, he and I were talking about putting a paper together for a client and he had already done some previous work to set the paper up. And I was trying to plug in based on what he set up and ended up doing some things that didn't quite fit the format he he had put together. And so he's like, hey, you know, I don't want you to feel like you have to be beholden to this format I've created. That's what he could have said.
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. You don't have to be beholden to the format I created. Do you think? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Instead, what he chose to say was, let me remove these shackles that I've placed on you. <laughs> and it was like one of those things where even as he said it, it was like a dream, right? Like you watch yourself do something and you mm-hmm. can't stop mm-hmm. yourself
2: mm-hmm. kind of
1: vibe. Mm-hmm. And you could see all of that on him. You know, he's like, I got I to finish this sentence. <laughs>
0: Right, but his voice just, like <laughs> fading a little bit at the right, end, right, right, and right, then like the right. pace slows, hesitation, uh-huh. realization crosses his face.
1: Exactly, all of that, all of that, and so he <laughs> he immediately uh, apologizes, like almost as soon as it's out of his mouth, the apology yeah. comes right after. Um, and what I found um, interesting. You know, it was a few things that were interesting, but one of the things I found interesting is the reaction I had was one of feeling like it was a very surreal moment. And
0: well, you can't make that shit up. Twenty twenty three on a professional call with Mm -hmm. a nice human being,
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: who's giving you permission to remove shackles. Yeah, we could dream all day long of things people say, and I'm not sure that could ever, we could have dreamt that one up.
1: Mm -mm. Nope, 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 nope. Um, Yeah, that's something that belongs in like a movie like Saw or (laughs) a slavery movie like The Roots, you know what I'm saying? Or The
0: Office for like the incredulity of it.
1: yeah 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 Yeah, exactly yeah Yeah, no the diversity training on the episode of the office exactly yes yes um but yeah outside of that no one would ever and so um what i found interesting among other things is that my once i got over the surreal nature of it all i immediately wanted to Get back to business as usual. Like, I basically said, hey, I understood your intention when you said that. Appreciate the the apology. Let's just move on. And in retrospect, once I had gotten off the call, had more time to process, I realized a few things. Um, for one... I realized that the need to get the work done versus what it would have taken to stop everything and process what just happened was up for me. Like that was real. The need to keep everything in my mind and make it about what is logical versus what I'm feeling in the moment was up for me, too. Right. Like. I don't want to sink into my body. I don't want to notice what my heart rate is doing. I don't want to feel this discomfort. So I'm going to instead lean into the intellectual component of this, right? I'm going to understand context. I'm going to excuse, Mm -hmm. in effect, what has just happened so that I don't have to feel What my body is feeling. I shrunk myself. And it was an act of violence in response to his act of violence. So he enacted violent language on me and then I enacted violence on myself by, in a way, Dismembering myself
0: Yep Right You separated your My body from my head Yeah. Yeah
1: Yeah exactly Exactly And The last thing In retrospect And the thing that's the hardest to acknowledge I think Is that because I'm the only BIPOC on this call Everyone else is white I prioritized their comfort over my own. And given my background, given who I like to think I am, there's a lot of shame acknowledging that for me. Because I know better. And that was the hardest part to, to accept.
0: It did not happen to me. And when you shared it with me, I feel like earlier, not right now, when you're resharing it on how, on how you're processing, when you, I'm, I'm trying to check in on like how I felt when you first shared it with me to how I'm like listening to you now um and i'm thinking about the how you're characterizing how you characterized the i know i know better the the questions for me around the the compassion for yourself and the grace and love for yourself especially when you say the phrase my anger is not protected and his sense of safety is that, that that sent that statement is the um, comes before. It's it like um, it's in front of your ability to respond in whatever way you want or need or can respond, and so it's almost like that statement should be the pathway to compassion for yourself. There is no right or wrong way to respond when someone calls you a slave. What about us, what around us gives, like puts all that pressure on us to think that we should know how to respond when we know the baseline is you are not protected (laughs) And I, there's, um, it's it's painful listening to you walk through the stages of like I did this and I could have done this or here's the thing and then my reaction was interesting and the and and even the last phrase of like and this right now is good enough. Of course you're gonna respond with love and care and I forgive you and let like all the things. And if anyone has any fucking problem with how you've reacted, then go fuck themselves. Like we're the only ones that can tell each other we know better, or we don't know better, or we do know and then have ourselves right like walk through all of those processes. Yet how do we um, how do we ever truly have that compassion for ourselves? It's like the hangover from like the reflection of what we said or didn't say.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then probably the thousand people in your life who are, who are well, not, hopefully you don't have a thousand people in your life who are like, well, here's what I would have done.
2: <laughs> or here's what you
0: should have said. Right? Like yeah, cut those uh, fucking people out of your life. But you, you no, know who that, I'm talking about, right?
1: Oh yeah. Oh hell no. Oh, yeah. I
0: wouldn't let anyone say that shit. To me. Go fuck yourself. I'm sharing something with you. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm. And and I, I say that as I'm pseudo saying, Be good to yourself. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh I just... So then I took it a step further. And I was like, how do I get into the psyche of an older white man? If I were to stand in his shoes and think, what does he think when he sees your face? 900 fucking thousand saturated images of you as a fucking slave is what he Uh has. Uh Mm-hmm. How much work does it take to undo all of that to undo the goddamn phrase that he said? And every time you're on a call, is this what's gonna be in his like all of the things are like constantly flooding in my head around this incident. And of course this is your life's work. Of course you're gonna like process, see if you can't calm your central nervous system, work with others to create a response, see how see what loving accountability can look like, see how can we can respond from a non- Fuck you! I'm gonna gut you, navel to nose reaction. Even though part of you is like, God, give me, like, let me cut you, navel to nose, just for a second, right? Mm-hmm. And not because you want to deeply harm another human, but because of your act of a reasonable visceral gut reaction. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so all of this, all of the, what's that that common phrase that my son tells me all the time is like, don't let people take up space rent free in your brain.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All of the hours of that space, it's not just taking up space rent-free in your head, but in your heart and in your body and your, your family, all the things. It's not okay. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: It's not okay. None of it is okay. And it's not worthy of a, I'm so sorry that happened to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It makes sense that that's what is on your heart and mind. What's on mine is um, related to that. We've been, my brother and I, my brother Jonah and I have been talking a lot about paternalism. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to interrupt paternalism? And interestingly, in this example, there's a little bit of that, right? So this person who you're working with is like, here's what I put together. You give feedback and the feedback is received, not only as so well, but received to the, oh no, 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 like, and then like, yeah, yeah, good. And let me give you permission to remove the shot. (laughs) Uh Uh Right, right? Like Uh almost like this person is like, oh, no, I'm not the the know-all. I'm sure you probably have content that you could add to, right? Uh Like the, I know what's best for you. Let me unshackle you Uh because I know what's best. And none of it is grounded in a, what could I do to be a racist piece of shit today?
2: Uh
0: There's no one on the team that woke up and said, what could I do to either A, racist, like just fuck up Delma's world for a couple weeks. No one said that. And when they said, sorry that you had to reach out and do it, none of them were like, what could I do to ensure that Delma has to be the one leading the accountability mechanism? Mm-hmm. That's the insidious part of it. Like you and I know how to deal with the assholes that are screaming the N word at you, like in the, you know, in the street. It's different when it's on a team (laughs) where what you're doing is social justice work. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that has been big on my mind in the context of paternalism, and it's, it's embarrassing to say the thing that I'm working on, I won't say it's totally akin to what the person did to you, but it's in the in the family of. But after talking with you about it, and we brainstormed and all the things, after we got off the phone, and I'm hanging, I'm in New Mexico with all of my, you know, with, with many of my beloveds, and they're watching me not able to focus on the grocery shopping that we're doing for the Seder mill, they're watching me like, I'll just be spacing and looking in another direction, concentrating so hard. And they're like, what the hell is going on with you? You're supposed to pick up cans of tomatoes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I-, I know I gave like good advice. I know like we talked and we strategized. I know, but like, there's gotta be more. I can give you to it. There's gotta be more that I can, maybe I should be inside this organization. Like, Like all of the things, like all of the, Solve, solve,
1: solve. Mm-hmm. And, and fix. fix. Yeah, fix and solve. Fix yeah, yeah, and yeah.
0: solve. And and if I just will myself to do it, because there's not much that I tell myself I can't will myself to do with you know, and Jonah looks at me, my brother, and he was like, that is the very fucking definition of paternalism. Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are and he said it with love but who mm-hmm. do you think you are that you can a ever solve something like this and b that you think it's your fucking job to solve
2: this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: interrupting paternalism and discerning what it means to be in relationship with another human is really fucking hard.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And I've spent the past 24 hours. Like anytime my head goes to spin on, Oh, I, sh- I should have said that or I could have did that. Or here's another idea. Or here's the it's no, no. Like you're doing what you should be doing. Listening, brainstorming, um, being present, knowing you're like a call away and the person who you're in relationship with does not think for one motherfucking second that it's your fault or your fucking problem to solve. Mm-hmm. So why are you putting that on yourself? There's mm-hmm. nothing in you that's like, come on, Chondine, like solve this. Come on, work harder. Come on. My heart's hurting. Come on. You are supposed to be able to fight racism alongside me. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. All of it is, Hey sis, this should happen to me. Let's talk. Oh, that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the toxic nature of paternalism. Um, uh, I think we we don't know how to talk or unpack it enough. And I don't know who dreamt up the shit. That tells you that you needed to, to know how to react. And if it's the same person who dreamt up the shit that I need to know how to solve, how do we murder that? I guess I could come up with a less violent metaphor. How do we <laughs> interrupt <laughs> that? Not how do we, you know, stab the shit out of that? But it's been. I mean, yes, I have other things going on. Kids are great. Kids about to, you know, my oldest one's about to graduate. My younger one is about to um, end his sophomore year. Very proud of what he's oh. accomplished. Very but. proud. I reflected back to him what he accomplished in two years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, we're very um, sarcastic, my, my boys and I. And um, when he was like, wow, thanks, Mom. You could hear the tone in his voice that was just straight up sincere. Not when Uh I tell him shit like, like, you're a good boy. Thanks, ma. And then they Uh move on, right? This Uh was like, wow, thanks, right? So boys are good. Kids are good. The move to New Mexico is good. And the work that, as you call your life's work, the work that, that we're called to do requires so much fucking personal practice. The mental images, I think, if the mental images are hard for me, I can only imagine what your mental images are. There's something about what the mental images do to our bodies Mm -hmm. that, you know, just had me just praying a ton between that moment and this moment about, like, what, like, hopefully, hoping Creator brings relief to your body on the mental images part of it.
1: Yeah, so I appreciate that. Fortunately, I do not, I have not processed it um, in connection to my own body. What's interesting, now that you mention it, I guess I hadn't really thought about it, the source of my anger is in a, there's a historical and a contemporary context, both of which I've managed to avoid, right? I think about the prison industrial complex. Mm-hmm. And I think about slavery.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the continuum, the the thread that connects those two, mm-hmm. right? I'm reminded of um, in this moment Ava DuVernay's mm-hmm. documentary, The Thirteenth Amendment,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: Um. And it is for my contemporaries and for my ancestors that I am enraged. Mm. It is a sense of kinship that informs the anger. Mm. Um, Because they are me and and I am them.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Right. And what's that phrase, Christians, or the Bible says, there but for the grace of God, go I. <laughs> right? Like that it's not like I earned my way out of either one of right. these systems, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Right,
0: right. <laughs> I remember my ex-husband studying indigenous studies in graduate school.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, he talked about the difference between reading about Native American boarding schools before he had children Mm. To then reading about the experiences of children in, bo- in these boarding schools after he had children.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: he would talk about how he would just cry in his office, reading these stories, thinking about eight-year-old Gabe, you know, mm-hmm. or six-year-old Zay, Zay and the thought of what they did to the, you know, the rape and the, like all the things, right? And when he would tell me this, I made a, I'm like, I will never do that for a living, I will never teach this shit for a living. I will never, mm-hmm. cause it's gonna require knowledge I don't want to be intimately familiar with.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's gonna require, I have to fucking heal shit myself. It's gonna require, and yet, you know, look at us now.
2: hmm. hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: We find ourselves struggling to teach the content intellectually when we don't do the actual work that we need to heal ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. And that yep. shit
0: comes back and bites us in the ass.
1: By buying into masculinity, as I understand it, I have in some ways rejected the sort of vulnerability required to be in movement and in song and in some of these other variations on wholeness these offerings that that give wholeness right i know plenty of dudes who do this who swear by it, who grow from it, right? I know plenty of guys who do practice movement, body movement. I I know plenty of guys who lean into song and dance and, you know. And I'm always like, man, that's great for (laughs) y'all. Cheering you on from afar. From afar with my cigarette, you know.
0: As I'm secretly Um, scoffing.
1: yeah. Yeah, Um, and that feels both sad to me and there's a sort of acceptance too, though, right? Like, if that's who I am up to this point, because it could change, but if that's who I am up to this point, so be it. I'm going to love myself even as I understand how silly and fucked up it is. Of course,
0: the idea isn't to indict yourself because you're not at a space where you can like let those in. Mm-hmm. The idea is um one: don't be an asshole and and like light up anyone who's doing it. Like that shit's unplugged. dumb. It doesn't work for me. Fuck you, right? <laughs> Unplug the speakers and shit.
1: Of
2: it,
0: right. <laughs> 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 All right, everyone, take some deep breaths. Hang on, I got, I got a call. I got a call from my accountant. Uh-huh. I, I'll be, like. I'm not going to leave uh-huh. the room because it's the best service I have in here. So you all go ahead and do your breathing while I take this. No, you're not going to be an asshole. Um, there is something, though, to be said for, and I say this not defensively, but maybe reflexively, which is a mm. word I made up.
1: Yeah. I like it. It's,
0: here's being really Reflective. And you're taking it all in beautifully and you're learning. Here's being defensive and you're like, fuck it all. I'm talking, I'm coming from a place of reflexive, right in the middle. Right in the middle. I'm both defensive and reflective. This shit is often weaponized against us.
1: This. The healing,
0: the healing, mm-hmm. breathe, mm-hmm. body. If you just did yoga, you'd be a better fucking person, Shandine. <laughs> if you just went to a spa on the weekends and held, mm-hmm. held and, and felt and breathed, if you just got some massages regularly, you would. And what's missing is the understanding that healing isn't a fucking spa. Mm-hmm. Healing isn't a like woo-woo. It's, mm-hmm. It fucking hurts. Mm -hmm. I avoid massages like the fucking plague because the one or two times I've had them, I just fucking weep for two Mm -hmm. hours afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like i not able to stop it. I don't have time Mm -hmm. to cry for two fucking hours and then recover after that and then reflect back and do all that shit. I got shit to do. Mm -hmm. In the most paternalistic sense, I got the fucking world to work on. I had time to work on myself. Mm -hmm. So one, so part one is sometimes the shit is put on us as we're fucking broken and deficit and like, we're, we're, some, we're we're a, a slate that needs to be solved and fixed.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And two, when we're not in deep, deep relational trust spaces with the people doing it, I'm going to like, I'm going to honor you with my realness. So I think about our beautiful cohort of facilitators for the racial justice Institute. Hmm. And the, and the two people who do embodied awareness the most. Mm-hmm. I'll fucking let Rita or Yania lead me anywhere or Khalif lead mm-hmm. me anywhere. And I will be like in their hands. I won't scoff. I won't walk out the room. I'll say personally, like, this isn't my thing, but I love these humans and I trust these humans. So I'm going to go in. Mm-hmm. And when you're in some of these bigger spaces in a shorter amount of time, they don't often know how to calibrate the impact on our bodies when we make that opening Mm -hmm. to do the fucking movement song and whatever, nor is there enough space or the right place to process that shit safely post the impact of feeling what just happened in our bodies.
1: right? Right. Whereas,
0: and I'm talking like, I'm sort of reflecting about a physical space, but even in a, even in a virtual space, when I'll allow mm-hmm. one, of our, one of our beloved facilitators to do something, I know that if it brings up something, I can send in the chat, hey, that shit moves something in me. I'm going to be off camera and maybe not focused for the next half hour. And they mm-hmm. aren't going to, hey, what do you need? What can I do? How can I solve it? Do you do that? They're just going to fucking let me be. Mm-hmm. But you know those fucking spaces when you're in public and you do that and you're in a group, even even if it's a group of pseudo-trusted people and that shit get like you're embarrassed, you need to go to the hotel room, you want to get the room, or you push it all down and pretend that's not a thing and you suck it the fuck up to go along with the rest of the agenda. hmm hmm Mm-hmm. So there's, there's more than one reason why those offerings are hard on us.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's real When we come back Shandeen and I will talk about Judginess Ourselves Others Others to us The whole nine yards If you do this kind of work If you care about these kinds of topics You're probably navigating some judgment Your own Others Etc Stay with us We'll be right back Thank you for giving Dive In Justice a listen.
0: We recognize that your time is the most valuable currency you have.
1: If you're digging the pod, there are a couple things you could do to show your support.
0: First, head over to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds of your time and every review helps us grow our listenership and broadens the conversations we can have together.
1: The second thing you can do and should do is consider supporting the podcast by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dive underscore in underscore justice.
0: Welcome back. Thanks for hanging with us too during our check-in. Today we wanted to dive into the Judgy McJudgertons.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Word. <laughs>
0: And there's some, there's some pieces around it when we were talking about what, what our message is to your younger self, to your younger selves, our younger selves. Um, and if we think about what we're like when we're 18, what we're like when we're 30, what we're like in our 40s. Hmm. There is some stereotypical, and I don't know if it's stereotype, I don't know if it's just, it really is just what happens to everything. The level of, zeal march in the street you have when you're young to where you are in your late 40s with being informed by experience, life, bills, safety.
2: hmm
0: I'm wondering who gets to be in judgment of who, the 18-year-old of my 47-year-old self or my 47-year-old to my 18-year-old self?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm yeah i mean my my forty four year old self is gently judgmental of my twenty year old self <laughs> right but my twenty four year old self hates my forty four year old <laughs> self <laughs> Can't stand that nigga. Okay, you hear me?
0: Loud and clear.
1: <laughs> Would fight him on the street if if the uh, opportunity presented itself. For real. I think part of my evolution, a big, probably the biggest part of my evolution, honestly, is. Making more space for more kinds of people doing more kinds of things. Mm. Okay. And really understanding the importance of finding validity in the various ways people choose to go about the work or not go about the work. Right. I don't know about you at 18, 20, I was on fire. And the world was divided into right and wrong. Period. And right was whatever I agree with. (laughs) And wrong was everything else.
0: Everything else.
1: (laughs) For real. There was a level of zeal. That came largely through the classroom. And I went from... A straight up self hating, not even interested in in reading or learning anymore about my own history, right? I went from that dude, like somebody flipped a switch, and all of a sudden I think I'm A Trap Brown in this motherfucker. And it came with accessories. That's the funniest part to me, I think.
2: Mm.
1: It's the accessories. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You have to eat. You're supposed to eat a certain way now. You're supposed to dress a certain way now. There's certain music you're supposed to be listening to. There's, I can no longer wear cologne. I have to only wear oils now and I burn incense now and I eat
2: mangoes
1: (laughs) and I go to poetry readings even though I can't fucking stand them
2: Mm.
1: right and I can't listen to certain hip hop artists anymore and if you do any of those things the wrong way. You a fucking sellout. You a Uncle Tom ass nigga. And that's all I got. Mm-hmm. I don't talk to white people unless I have to. I don't trust any one of y'all crackers. All y'all are crackers. Let's be clear on that. Crystal. <laughs> Just a bunch of saltines walking around. <laughs> hmm I was so angry and righteous. And I had read all the three
2: books.
1: (laughs) 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 That was me. Late teens, early twenties. What about you?
0: You know, people talk about the chip on your shoulder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mine was a two-by-four the length of Texas Mm. that I would Mm -hmm. lift and fucking beat you with (laughs) with my words and vitriol if you couldn't hear or see what I was saying. Uh Uh-huh. And I didn't care if you were white or not.
2: Mm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: It was terrible. I was a self-righteous, know better piece of fucking shit. (laughs) I look back at me in college and I'm like, God damn, I can't believe you ever had a friend. (laughs) Now, to be fair, Uh I was right. (laughs) But that didn't mean you had to be Wrong or your right was less right than my right. Sure. I had no idea how to have another right to be right next to me.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: yeah. That's horrible. I think my 18, you know, or 24 year, 20 year old self, 20, whatever, that the college self, honestly, you know, when mm-hmm. you're like, would hate me now, I think would be proud of me now.
1: Mm hmm. Why?
0: A mellower, which is funny. I heard every single one of my friends and my family just laugh at that right now. Every single one. <laughs> I could hear like, like it's reverberating through my body <laughs> as they're laughing at me. This is me mellow? Yeah. Imagine me back then.
1: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Mm-hmm. And only my sister, Jonna Ann, could be like, oh, no, seriously, she's fucking better. Like, you have no <laughs> idea what the fuck she was like back then. Like, it was horrible. <laughs> And I used to use the excuse that, but I'm right.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, one of our former um, podcast guests, uh, Vernice, she has a phrase, and I'm going to fuck it up, so I apologize, friend. You can be right, or you can get the fucking work done.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. That's real.
0: Right? And so, like... There's a way to get the work done, without me let, taking this two by four off my shoulder and hitting you so fucking hard across the, you know, like I would get so mad at things, like mm-hmm. the anger when you were talking about anger. I walked around so angry I don't even know if another emotion could ever really be present.
1: Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: like when you know, a super fucked up racist incident. Well, oh, one of like ten thousand happened at Yale. Um, where these, you know, 10 women dressed up as Native Americans. They put on fake, they put on brown shoe polish on their arms and they had paper bag vests and they put fake feathers in their head and they danced on my lawn. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a lacrosse team initiation the year before that there were four new freshmen and the theme was the 10 little, uh, sorry, the the theme was the four seasons. So they dressed, they got them drunk and they dressed up as, you know, spring, winter, fall, summer, whatever, and they around it was just an initiation well the next year there were 10 um lacrosse and don't get me started on the irony of the lacrosse concept um lacrosse Mm -hmm. freshmen and so the theme was the 10 little indians so they dressed Mm -hmm. them up and paraded them all well i was so angry there was no room in my world for strategy for love or care for teaching that I just went and typed up racism at Yale. This is what fucking happened. Made like 300 copies and flyered the whole fucking campus.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: There was no room for any shades in between.
2: Mm hmm.
0: And so that's the part that I think my younger self would be proud of, my older self. Like, I would hope, I would hope they are because I'm not upset to where I've evolved to. I know I still have that 10,000 other things to learn and grow, but I would give, I would actually, people say this expression, like, would you give your right arm for whatever? I would literally give my right arm to go back and relive my life from 12 on with the knowledge I have now. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm not saying from like 18 on, I'm saying from 12 years old on,
2: Hmm.
0: from the day my grandma died, I would get my right arm. Like I could live the rest of my life with a left arm and that's like, if I could do that. (laughs) Like if someone would magically do it right now, I think I would be happy. I think I was in so much pain as a kid and as an earlier self. Both physical pain from lack of health care, lack of dental care, mm. and emotional pain from trauma, deaths, abuse, rape, all mm. the shit. Mm. Um, that's why I think my younger self would be proud of my older self.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. That's true.
0: Yeah. I don't think yeah. they would be proud of... I don't think they would, it's hard to say out loud. I don't think they would be proud that I left home for so long.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: I think they would judge the shit out of it. And I think they would be right too. Mm. And so when we think about what backlash from our communities that we're from mm-hmm. means, mm-hmm. like uh, we always, there's a phrase that, I don't know where it came from, but a friend of mine would use with me, like, when you educate yourself out of your home. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And that was Mm -hmm. never true with my father ever, nor actually with um, my brother, Wes, or my sister, Jonna Anne, but with Mm -hmm. a lot of my relatives and family who love and care for me, but still judge the shit out of me that I didn't come home. They're like, look at all this work that you're doing in Oregon. Look at all this work that you do nationally. Look at all this work that you did across the Pacific Northwest. You couldn't come home and do that shit. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for me to say, no, I tried. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I went home for a year or two. I tried. Yep. They're fucking. We're hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, who are you, high Yaley coming back mm-hmm. to like bub, Oh, see, so you didn't choose not to live in the South Valley. You chose to live near the near campus. Oh, you chose to. I'm like what the fuck. Like I, I'm trying here. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the knowledge back then to be able to navigate the um. Um, jealousy is not the right word to navigate the very reasonable albeit hard response from my people at who am I to go away and come back with this you know Ivy League degree and pretend I know
1: There's a resilience necessary that takes time to build, too, right? An understanding of an acceptance, more importantly, of who you are that allows you to receive whatever feedback may come from the various people and to be able to stand in that. And continue to show up and continue to do the work. That requires, yeah, not just a knowledge of self, but an acceptance of self that I think takes a long time to cultivate. I think so much of how we come to view ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're communal by nature. Mm -hmm. So how I view myself is deeply tied up in how I think you view me, and it takes years to, you know, almost think of it like um, you're creating a soft sack around yourself yeah. that eventually can harden into a, a type of shell.
2: Yeah,
1: right. It takes years to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Then you have to allow for a porousness, so that you can still breathe and grow and evolve, right? You don't want your shell to be so airtight that you become rigid, stuck, bitter, et right. cetera. Right. Each one of those is its own decade <laughs> for me <laughs> of of work, and so. Um. as someone who never left home for long, right? Like I went away for undergrad a little bit and lived out of state for a second or two. and But by and large, I've been here. Mm. <clears throat> and still feel like i managed to somehow... educate myself out. out yeah even as i never left and so much of that is based on a very like small subset of the population of my city
2: hmm.
1: it's my peers And only in that A small subset of my peers (laughs) Um, There are so many places I can move in the city And feel very much a part of Very much seen Very much accepted Um, But the thing that this Particular place does not do well I would argue Flint does not know how to trust and love and cultivate its own.
0: Yeah, 100%. We don't either here. I don't think they're Uh, unique in that.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Any geographical space that has had to navigate a long history of institutional systemic oppression
2: Mm -hmm.
1: is going to... Replicate some of those issues, habits, ways On its own Like, right, you feed on yourself Mm -hmm. And so when I show up In certain spaces around here And I say, hey, I can do this work Here's what I charge They like, not hell no
0: Right? Yes, yes
1: (laughs) But we'll fly a motherfucker out from LA Or New York
0: But not one of our own And pay one of our own
1: mm We'll pay them double what we would have paid you.
0: Yeah. I have a friend in Oregon who's like, I can't even get arrested here. That's how much I'm rejected here.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> what? You know? And they say, what's that phrase? A prophet is never accepted in their own town. Right? Just to be is clear,
0: the- I'm not comparing myself to a prophet.
1: I, we know that. <laughs> Nobody was like. I be, wonder.
0: You could be Jesus. I wonder if she. No, it was, I, I, mean, of, you, you I mean, when I had my
1: locks, I was Jesus. Fair. You know. Fair. But I think um I, certain places are just better at cultivating their talent.
0: My quality of life is something that I don't want to sacrifice any longer. And it's embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by it.
2: I'll
0: I'll watch. I'm not going to say who. But I'll watch a family member of mine who I'm very close with. Almost like laugh. With not meanness, not jealousy, but like, seriously? (laughs) Like you have to have that thing or whatever the fuck it is around a nice rental car or an Airbnb has to have this, or in my home, I will absolutely not have, not, not, not have blank. Could be like a refrigerator that you can get water out of. an ice set. like everything I didn't have as a child, I feel I have a mm-hmm. motherfucking right to now. Uh-huh. And yet everyone uh-huh. around me, not everyone, many people around me who don't have access to that anymore. I know are fucking judging me. And I know I feel shitty about it.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And
0: so I live <clears throat> beyond how much I make and I don't give a fuck. Raising the kids, uh-huh. I knew I was going to take them to On vacations, we were gonna go to the beach. We were gonna go to, it's not like I lived a life where I took them to fucking Europe.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right?
0: But they were gonna have experiences that I didn't have. We were gonna go camping. We were gonna go to the coast. We were gonna go try, like, they weren't gonna, they weren't gonna, you know, my sister and I shared a bra in high school. Like, we were Mm -hmm. fucking broke. Mm -hmm. And I know I live bigger than most of my family. I know I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm embarrassed about it. And mm. I don't want to give up my creature comforts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think so much of when I think about how I judge myself. So if I'm being honest, the younger version of me wanted access to some creature comforts that I didn't have, right? And I didn't grow up poor, but also was far from wealthy, right? Working class all the way. So there was, my basic needs were met, but some of the things that my friends had access to, especially at school, because I'm in a school that's... Um, private and a little wealthier, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. on the poorer end of the economic spectrum in in my school setting. Mm -hmm. And so some of the things my friends had access to, like I could go to a friend's crib and we swimming in an indoor pool. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know what I'm saying? Dad's a doctor, mom's a lawyer. It's the Cosby Show, Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. right?
1: And so I had... Access by way of my friendships to see what wealth looked like um, or even just upper middle class, not even necessarily wealthy, but just upper middle class looked like. My 18, 20-year-old self said out loud, I didn't care about none of that. But part of the reason I said that is because I never believed I could have access to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Okay. So, that. so rather than just articulate, hey, um, I would love these things, but I don't know that I'll ever be able to get them. Mm-hmm. That felt way too vulnerable. So instead, what I say is, man, fuck that shit, fuck capitalism, fuck the system, da 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 da. Now, fast forward to now, I want all of it. <laughs> 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 I want, I all want all it. of it. I want right? good
0: schools. I want fast car. Fast yep. internet, access to yep. vacation, clothes that exactly. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to put on, stocked fridge and a fancy fridge with a fancy motherfucking espresso machine.
1: When I took a selfie with my partner on a beach in Hawaii, I said, yeah, I did. that moment might have cemented Arrived. for me something because <laughs> <laughs> I was like...
0: Not yeah, going no, back. Yeah, no, I want more of this. I I'm want not going more back. Of this. Not, Fuck yes. the world.
1: I ain't going yes. back. Yes. And so. But
0: what if you're alongside like a sibling or a cousin or someone who's just as close? Mm hmm. Who will never have that?
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I think my job is is, is multifaceted. One. I need not be ashamed for wanting the shit I want.
2: Mm. I need not
1: be ashamed for having the shit that I have. Because no matter what I get, there's always going to be folks who have less, and there's always going to be folks who will have more, right? So no matter where I move along this spectrum, it's all relative. It's all relative. That's number one. So first is how do I treat myself, right? Well, yeah, I beat myself
0: up. That's clear. Next.
1: Right. So cut that out.
0: Okay, next.
1: Don't do that no more. Um, and the other thing I think is being very clear that there are boundaries that I want to co-create with the people I'm closest to. Of course. Because the thing wealth can do, and wealth is relative, I don't mean rich. I mean, right. the thing resources can do
2: Perfect
1: is create... A way of living in two very different worlds. Like, I remember, um, you know, Kevin Hart, as w- in one of his stand ups, he talks about what it meant to start earning more money. And now he's hanging out with people who are like NBA stars,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like
1: multimillionaires. Mm-hmm. And they want to go places and do things. And the whole routine is about how he has to kind of keep to himself in a way right he's trying to hang but he can't financially Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but he wants to and so he ends up finding himself a couple times being in this situation where he's spending way more money than he need to be spending right now just to try to hang and eventually he learned to say you know it's this bit right like over and over again, okay, see the way my checking account work is, right? And then he just going into <laughs> this thing. And we all can laugh with that. We all understand that. And so when it comes to the people closest to me, I'm like, hey, this is what I want for my Airbnb. This is what I'm willing to put in extra to make sure I have it. I'm not asking you, right? Because this ain't something you're saying you need. This is my shit. So I will pay to have it. Hey, I want to take this trip. Can this person really afford to do this? Maybe, maybe not. If not, do I want them to come? Am I willing to foot the bill, right? I think the the hardest part is how do we learn to get comfortable having those conversations?
0: That's it. That's the question. Another? That's the million dollar question. Yes. I don't know how to have those conversations. With them, I just know how to have it my, with myself because I'm like, like to yeah. be, to be fair, I'm not walking around like a selfish piece of shit. Like, the more money oh, no. I make, the more my family has to like they gain from. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not mm-hmm. like I'm hoarding it, but I also do mm-hmm. feel the judgment, and so how do I release mm-hmm. that that ugh, that icky yeah. self it- judgment of yeah yeah this is what I want and and i didn't have it as Mm -hmm. a child and and it's hard to say i'll be fucking damned if i feel guilty for buying another pair of shoes that i fucking want
2: because i had to wear
0: ugly ass pro wings as a child and i fucking hated it Mm -hmm. i had one pair of pants at college one let me state that again for anyone who ever has been broke one pair of pants for four years.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's real.
0: And you fluctuate and in weight in college. You know what that's like to have one pair of pants?
1: Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. I think being able to name all of that complexity in partnership with those closest to us and then asking for solutions. Because like to the extent that... To what degree is the judgment real? To what degree is the judgment in your head and projected? Is there any wiggle room there? Yeah like i know for sure there's some judgment here but if i know that for sure how often do i add to that or assume that that's what i'm receiving in moments where maybe it's not yep right i think being able to have those conversations and to and to really show up in vulnerability mhm and and set the tone for a very vulnerable conversation is about all you have control over and all you can try to do to come yeah. to some right. Yeah. Cause like on the flip side, you wanna share. You right, wanna of see course. everybody come up, you wanna see everybody eat good and all of that. And but, Exactly I'm, You ain't gonna let these motherfuckers run you broke.
0: Exactly. I'm no Kevin Hart, but I sure as shit feel the like I'm happy to help, but I can't pay for everybody.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. Yep. Here's what I'm willing to do. Here's what I'm not willing to do. And sometimes people close to us and make us feel guilty if we don't do it all. Right. And what I've had to learn how to do is say, hey, I'm going to save X amount for myself. Why? would you need that for? That ain't none of your fucking business. If I wanna roll up these bills, get them good and crinkly and set these motherfuckers on fire, that's my prerogative.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll do right? dumb ass. And I wanna apologize. It's for like, it. yeah, I didn't return that, I ran out of time, whatever. And someone's like, That was a fifty dollar book. I know mm-hmm. I I'm, I'll take the fifty dollar hit. And to yeah. some of my family members, fifty dollars makes it or breaks it for them.
1: That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's real. That's real. So we judge ourselves first, then we observe others judging us. And I think to the degree to which we can release our self shit, and then start out those conversations, um, I think we might go a long way in starting to to move on.
0: I would love for a future episode for us to unpack that in the context of what we do for a living. Is everything we just Mm -hmm. talked about um, incongruent, antithetical, out of alignment with how we're supposed to show up as consultants in the social justice world?
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Problem solved. Yes, it is.
0: Dive In Justice is a co-production of the Center for Whole Communities and Shoreline Consulting.
1: The Center for Whole Communities exists to build capacity at the individual, organizational, and community level to deepen awareness, embrace differences, and value relationships us making change possible.
0: Shoreline Consulting co-constructs solutions and strategies that align with your goals and leverages the voices, perspectives, and wisdom of those who stand to benefit.
1: For more information on Center for Whole Communities, find us at wholecommunities.org. For more information on Shoreline Consulting, visit us at thinkshorelines.com.
0: Dive in Justice theme song created by Nasir Thomas Jackson, original music throughout today's episode. Created by Dana and Alden. Check out their debut album, Brothers, on Spotify. Jenny Cotting helps us out with marketing and promotions. Thank you all so much. Without your effort, this show would not be possible.